What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Talking about your own sexuality is a hurdle to overcome, especially when it's taboo. Now I have the immense satisfaction of sharing it. I know that every time I share something about myself, it emboldens another woman to do the same. I pulled this quote from my Girl Boner chat with Genevieve Lejeune last year in an episode called Bisexuality, Fluidity, and Confidence. As you may remember, after some major personal epiphanies, Genevieve founded Skirt Club. It's this place for savvy, professional, bi-curious women to celebrate their sexuality in a private and safe and glamorous way. And when I say glamorous, I mean glamorous. I had the pleasure of speaking at a Skirt Club event here in L.A. last month alongside Dr. Shannon Chavez a wonderful sex therapist you might recall from the religion chapter of my Girl Boner book. And the event was like walking into an elite high fashion magazine party in New York City or something without any hint of pretentiousness. The night started with warm welcomes and free-flowing champagne. Then the host, Topanga, gave a talk on consent and a dental dam demo I wish you all could experience. Then this incredible dancer performed. You're about to hear what followed that because Girl Boner's engineer, Mackenzie, was kind enough to record the audio and Skirt Club was kind enough to welcome that. A little side note that we weren't mic'd for amplification and had to project so our voices might sound a little different than you're used to. I hope you enjoy this spicy reading and conversation. I thought I would start by reading a very short excerpt from Girl Boner, but I want to find out which section you would like to hear. So I have three topics in mind. One is when I first became curious about Girl Boners. It's a childhood story. Uh, The second option is Sex and the Single Girl, Permission to Want. And the third is the time I masturbated in an MRI machine. So who wants the childhood, what about girl boner story? Okay. And uh, sex and a single girl. Okay. And orgasm MRI. (laughs) I wish I could demonstrate, but instead, so this is from chapter five of girl boner. Uh, which is called The Big Bodacious O, and this story is called My Brain on Orgasm. When I first learned that a journalist had been selected to masturbate to orgasm in an fMRI machine, I was a wee bit jealous. I'd come a long way since the life-changing orgasm with my trusty dildo, and even further from the college paper I wrote on why I didn't need to masturbate. Once I realized the pleasure I could experience on my own and the mighty benefits it invited, solo play became and has remained a passion of mine. I'd grown somewhat masterful at my own solo exploration, or so I had thought, and was writing increasingly about sexuality. 
Didn't that, paired with my inclination to tell the world about most everything girl boneresque, and my near obsession with understanding what happens inside the body make me the perfect candidate for such an experiment? Perhaps I hadn't made my suitability clear. As chance or fate would have it, I ended up sitting next to the lead researcher of the orgasm MRI studies, Barry Kamizarek, the following year at North America's first World Sexual Health Day celebration in New York City. A year after that, I sat in a small room at Rutgers University, being suited up with a custom-fit mask that looked more horror, sci-fi than spicy adventure, or maybe a colander. It didn't take long for me to realize that in all of my fantasies about participating in orgasm research, I'd failed to consider a very important thing, the MRI machine. It required the mask, which would help hold my head perfectly still, yes, still, as I played with myself to sounds comparable to gunshots and a cramped device many people freak out in. On top of all of that, I would have to lie flat on my back, by far my least favorite solo play position. Had I ever come that way? I should have practiced, but it was far too late for that. If you feel you can't breathe once you're inside, don't worry, you aren't actually dying, a technician told me. <laughs> you're probably just claustrophobic. Hit the eject button and I'll shoot you right back out. Was I claustrophobic? I tried to recall the last time I'd been sandwiched in a tube the size of a coffin but came up with nothing. If I didn't hyperventilate, I'd stay in, following text slides that prompted me to think about or take particular actions. Imagine having my nipples touched, then actually touch my nipples. Imagine having my clitoris touched, then actually touch my clitoris. Imagine a speculum being inserted into my vagina. That was a control factor, though I did wonder if the fantasy would add an interesting twist to my next gyno visit. <laughs> I may have attempted to find it arousing, you know, for science. So how does one, accustomed to dildos and lying flat on her belly as she moves about freely, come with nothing but her fingers while nearly motionless and tied down and not in a kinky way? My question precisely. I decided to fess up to the researchers. I may not be able to orgasm after all, I said, apologizing profusely if I had wasted their time or resources. Not to worry, they assured me. Not experiencing orgasm would be just as helpful. And would I like to try it with a toy as well? Oh my God, would I ever. <laughs> and so I would go at it twice, once with my fingers solo, once with a brand spanking new purple body safe dildo I call Hank E. Panky. <laughs> once everyone was ready, researcher and longtime sex therapist Nan Wise guided me through a room of technicians seated at computers who would monitor the experience opposite a glass wall. I looked around at the groovy team who were there to make sure I had a safe and pleasant experience while gathering quality research. This wasn't quite what I'd meant when I asked the universe for an orgy, but heck, I would take it. I sat down on the MRI bed, suited up in a robe, slippers, and my adorable mask, feeling like an astronaut, ready to launch into the great unknown. I thought of Masters and Johnson, Virginia especially. As much as I would have preferred to get busy freely on a bed like their research participants did decades before, I like to think they might be proud. As the bed rolled into the machine, I brushed my thumb over the emergency button and closed my eyes. Dear God, please don't let claustrophobia stand in the way of my girl boner. Once inside, I opened my eyes, pleasantly surprised by the sense of peace and calm I felt.
it was actually rather quite cozy. While I still figured I wouldn't climax, certainly not with my fingers only, I no longer felt stressed over it. Pardon the spoiler, but therein lies some orgasm magic. I never could have predicted what followed. The visual prompts seemed to move slowly, very slowly. Seriously, could we hurry things up a little? Once I surrendered to the pacing, falling into a rhythm, it struck me how powerful my girl boner became when I didn't rush. Arousal sprinkled, then flamed from my head to my toes as I imagined, then touched, imagined, then touched. Envisioning my nipples being touched sent me reeling, as did imagining my partner suckling them. No one had said I couldn't let my mind wander. And thinking of or touching my clit, holy bejesus. Numerous times I felt as though I might explode if only I could roll over. It was like moving to the very edge of utter euphoria, only to be nudged backward, halt. Or a bite of perfect chocolate yanked from your mouth before you could chew. I've since learned there's a term for this, orgasm control. Finally, I gave up, chalking up a mild, pleasurable release I'd experienced to surrender. A gal can only take that kind of you're not allowed to come torture for so long. I let the team know and rolled back out. Did you experience orgasm? Dr. Kamizerk asked with a friendly smile. I almost blurted no, but had I? I observed my wetness, the full body flushing, the intense swelling of my labia that only followed coming. Holy crap, yes. A bit later, after experiencing countless fantasies plus two orgasms, the second with Hank, I sat on a train headed back to NYC, considering the countless times I'd experienced quote-unquote small bursts of pleasure I had discounted as inefficient or pleasure on the way to the really good stuff. No doubt I had been climaxing all along. How could I, several years into my work in researching and writing about sex, still be unraveling significant mysteries about my own body and sexuality? As frustrating as that epiphany seemed, it was also pretty wondrous. Dear Clit, you're more awesome than I've given you credit for. I promise to celebrate you deeply and more often. Love, August. I've always loved your definition of girl boner. Can you share that with everyone? Sure. So I use the term girl boner to illustrate our capacity for pleasure and embracing our sexuality. Um, of course, I think it's also really important to know that if you have a clitoris, you do have erections. That it's the same tissue that comes, you know, in the womb is the same tissue as the penis, and we get hard-ons too. It's something I wondered about from elementary school because I remember learning that male pleasure was a thing and that girls and women got cramps and bled a lot. And the first time I heard the word boner, um, it was during recess one day, and I was like, oh, that's, oh, that's what that means. And then I thought, what about girl boners? So I've been curious about it since I was 11. So does anyone know what May is? National Masturbation Month. <laughs> so remember to reach down and touch yourself as much as you need to. We have permission all month to do that. 
<laughs> I'd love for you to talk about your first experience with masturbation. Yeah, so the first chapter in my book, I share my first time masturbating. I was 30, and I'm 40 now, so I considered myself pretty sexually empowered at, at age 30. I thought I had very pleasurable sex, you know, I, I felt a bit fearless in my sexuality, but it, I hadn't realized that this old messaging that I'd grown up with, that to me, sexuality, I had been defining it as something that was dependent on another person. Like, it almost didn't exist if I wasn't having sex with a person. And um, I, one day, I, I had gone from, you know, the serial monogamy, relationship, 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 to discovering, um, you know, casual sex, essentially, and having kind of my free playtime singlehood, which was really empowering. Uh, but through all of that, I kind of had this entitlement around, I can just have sex when I want to, you know, like if you have a partner, if you can find a partner, you can have sex. Um, and that's, that was kind of my definition of, of empowerment, I think, at that time. And it took being in a long-term relationship where my partner was away for quite a bit of time. And I started to realize that the weird angst I was feeling was horniness. <laughs> and, um, and I'm sitting on the sofa and I'm like scrolling Netflix and you know, how Netflix recommends shows. It recommended diary of a nymphomaniac. <laughs> yeah. I was like, whoever's watching has a really good sense of humor. And so because I'm so masochistic, I decided to start watching it. And at one point I, my hand just involuntarily went to my clit. And because I'm much more of an internal person as far as orgasm goes, and I, again, as the story showed, I really loved like the G-spot orgasms. I just didn't feel much from just sort of touching or rubbing that I'd heard other people enjoyed. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, there's this toy upstairs, like this joke gift that we had in a closet. And I literally felt like I was 15 years old, creeping upstairs. I'm like, oh my gosh, um, sweating, you know, just feeling so sparkly inside. And I, so I, put a pillow on the bed and I took out this bright fluorescent dildo and I rode on it and I made myself come and like I already feel emotional right now. It was so beautiful for me. Um, I had gone through an eating disorder uh, prior to that and embracing my sexuality helped me heal. So I thought that I had already, you know, healed those wounds with my body, but I caught a glimpse of myself in a mirror, a bedroom um, cabinet mirror and I saw so much beauty in, in, um, in being able to see my own arousal and, and feeling like, oh, my sexuality is my own. It's mine. And, and then I can share it. And it, it completely changed my life. So I hope everyone's inspired by that story. <laughs> um. I'd love to talk a little bit about empowerment. I mean, one thing that you have that comes along with your book is this amazing workbook. I recommend it to clients, and it's, it's coming out on Tuesday, right? Can you talk about just the benefits of using something like a workbook or journal to increase your sexual empowerment, to feel more confident about your sexuality? Because I love this whole concept. 
Thank you so much. Yes. So I feel that journaling is one of the most powerful tools for sexual self-discovery. We can let all of our thoughts out. I think so often, especially as, as women, we have so many things going on and we don't always, because of the way we're socialized, connect with our true desires. We don't always admit to ourselves, like, I didn't know I was horny. How did that happen? You know what I mean? And so I think when you are able to just release your thoughts, it, it clears the way for connectedness with, with your true authentic sexuality. It's a way to explore your fantasies and your desires without anyone critiquing you or worrying about what other people think. And sometimes you get really surprised by what comes out on the page. I think free writing is a really powerful way. Um, but it was important for me in Girl Boner to share journaling prompts. So at the end of each chapter, there are journaling prompts and you can go along with those. But then I have a Girl Boner journal that's a specifically a workbook you can write in, uh, releasing on Tuesday. Um, and it goes through every sexual empowerment topic that's in the book. I always tell my clients that, you know, sex isn't something we do, it's an experience we create, and we want to be creative when we are having sex. So I think writing or journaling or fantasy, all of this is so rich because we can, you know, the limits are, are it's limitless, so there's so much we can do with that. What would you say are some of your top tips for enhancing your sex life that have worked for you? Oh, <laughs> I love tips. Anyone else love tips? <laughs> um, one is to see foreplay as a lifestyle. I really think it's important that we stay connected with our, our desires and our sexuality. And that doesn't mean being turned on constantly with hopes of then having sex with someone. I mean, that's great if that's what you want to do on a particular day or time. But... But I think we have to nurture that part of ourselves. Um, I did a poll on Twitter recently, and the most common orgasm blocking thoughts of the different options I provided was taking too long to experience orgasm and the self-consciousness that can come around that. And to that, I feel it's, it just speaks to the way that we tend to disconnect because if you are already connected, it doesn't, it doesn't take as long. It, there's no shame in it taking time and, and arousal builds and I think that's beautiful and we should never shame ourselves for that. But I think so often, again, we're socialized to when it's time for sex, then we have to be turned on and ready to orgasm. Like it's, we live in a very performance-based culture. So slowing down, um, really tuning into your own, again, desires. Um, and I think, you know, putting your own pleasure on your to-do list, if you keep a to-do list on your calendar, it doesn't have to be sex or solo play. It can be. Uh, but I, I do think that when we nurture pleasure in our lives, that we automatically have more pleasure in our sex lives. What's one tip that you could share with us all? Lots of play. I think that, you know, as adults, we don't play enough. And we have serious lives, a lot of stress, day-to-day -day stuff that really drains our libido and energy. So I think we need to incorporate more play, whether that's role play or just thinking outside of the box, doing different things, taking sex outside of the bedroom, just being as creative as you possibly can. And orgasm should never be the focus. It's really a side effect of good sex. So it's something that we don't even have to touch our bodies to have. We can think ourselves off. How amazing is that? And so I, I always encourage people to just focus on pleasure. 
And the whole body is a big erogenous zone, so you just need to be open-minded to where you're on your body you'll experience pleasure. The orgasm MRI studies, one of the things that the researchers discovered was nipple stimulation, thinking about it and actually doing it, was just as arousing as thinking about stimulating your genitals or you know anything that they, that they tested in all genders and all sexes of people. And I think that's important just to know that we shouldn't be limited by what society says. All right, so last question. What do you think um, is the advice you would give your younger self about sex, sex, sexual health, sexuality? You're gonna be shocked by this, but masturbate sooner. Yeah. <laughs> um, I certainly don't regret the journey because it's given me so much passion and purpose in my life. I feel super, super grateful to do the work that I do and to connect with people like you, Shannon. Um, so it's it's all worth it. But I just think that had I had I embraced solo play in my own pleasure and ex exploration like really early on, you know, and learned about it in grade school. Oh my goodness, the benefits, less depression, less stress, less anxiety. I ended up in so many relationships because I just wanted to have sex. And I wasn't even thinking that. It's just that I would be trying to be single and then, ooh, hey, you know, and I end up in a relationship because I had sex. And, and it, when you really take care of your own needs first, I think it, it just opens up the whole world. Take control of your pleasure. You know, no one can give you an orgasm. You have to be in charge of your own orgasm and figure out what you like and have fun doing it. So, yes. Thank you all so much for having us. Thank you. Huge thanks to everyone who helped make this event so fun and memorable, including attendees, and to you for listening. You can see a photo of Dr. Chavez and I from the night on my Instagram, at August McLaughlin, um, also at Girl Boner Media, and learn more about Skirt Club, Dr. Chavez, and my Girl Boner books at links in the episode description. While you're there, I would so appreciate a rating and review. Keep prioritizing pleasure, and stay tuned for more Girl Boner Radio fun soon.